PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. Chris Crespo Radio Show. Everybody likes it. Listen to his shit. Gentlemen, come on down. It is time to be the next listener on Cinema Crespediso. That's right, it's episode 422. What are you going to do? I'm here with Drew. Sir Cogburn. What up, dude? How you doing? Doing. Working my hand, this guy. Yes, sir. Um, how's the cyberpunk going? Uh, haven't played in a while. Yeah. No. Too busy. Well, I beat it twice. So. <laughs> is, is, it, it, is it too short? No. No, it's not. It's just in your style, you devoured it twice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100% twice? I mean, no. There are. I mean, there's not necessarily like 800. It's not, it's not a game that you can like just achieve all the things and do all the... Like, it wasn't... I mean... I like, mean, there, there are things that you can like do. Like Rockstar games, you can do but that, yeah, right? But, but, but there's also other things... I mean, yeah, Rockstar games, you can, but mm. there's like there's secret stuff and, mm. stuff, and they don't track that kind of shit. Oh, so, true. like, the first time I played, like, there were things that I completely missed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my second playthrough, did some research on the internet... And did all that stuff, and I mean, it was the same game, nothing crazy different. Fair. Feel like it was a uh, uh, worth the wait. I mean, that was I, a long wait with all those delays. I I have a feeling here when I upgrade the console and get the upgraded version of the game, mm-hmm. and by the time they figure out whatever the fuck problems they have going on they debug it yeah well once it's debugged you get some expansions this that the other you know i'll come back to it in probably like a year when it's it's all fixed and more things have been released and play again and that is same but better exactly just like us Mm. yeah we have totally been debugged and expansed that 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 is us cinema crespity so i mean look at all the lights we've had at the studio don't you feel like it's an evolution I mean, it's of the show. Yeah. Visually. For an audio podcast, it doesn't really help. You but. know, I've been thinking about that. I'll find, I'll find a way to <laughs> to get across. <clears throat> and then by the by the end of the year, once people are... I'm starting to know more, more people that have been vaccinated. By the end of the year, uh, more liable to maybe start bringing guests back in. I don't yeah. know if I actually will. Uh, but I mean, they, they can actually get to see it. But people need to see what's happening here, man. Yeah. They need to, The world needs to know. I mean, too bad you can't... I mean, what's the sound of neon? 
<laughs> neon is. <laughs> I've, I looked up all these. I do want uh, the final thing I do do want to get in here is like some sort of neon quote neon lettering of like the show name or something somewhere hanging no. up on a wall. Uh, and that they obviously don't do neon anymore. I'm not going to pay a guy to bend glass and get the gas. To go. I mean, it's shit. No one even does that anymore. That's, I mean, I'm sure they that's do. Like, that's like so, a, sure. I read an article about how it's like a dying. No. I mean, I'm sure they do somewhere, but I'm sure it's way expensive. Yeah, I have to go to a, like a Hong Kong or, or some shit to get it. And but they do have LED versions of them that you plug in and, and it simulates it very well. Uh, it looks like anyway in pictures and video is mm-hmm. I mean, honestly what I'm looking for. But they all have the same uh, not defect, but I guess con in that every review is like emits a, a tone, <laughs> emits a buzz. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's perfect for an audio podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, listen to these lights. Maybe actually that's what I should do. Yeah. I should have uh, that way. Everybody knows that we have. Faux neon lights. Yeah, yeah, faux. Not even real ones. No. Just faux bullshit ones, which is perfect for cinema crispity. So mm-hmm. fake it till you make it, even if you never make it. Yeah, keep on faking it. You still sort of look like you did to some people who aren't you know, paying close enough attention. Or who just don't know better. <laughs> that, that's a lot of people. Oh. A lot of people do not know better. So it is a balmy uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh, a wonderful Florida winter day. This is why I live here, Drew. Yeah. Did that rain wake you up in the middle of the night? No. Jesus Christ. I slept right through that shit. It made me think of uh, a show that I think I think I mentioned it on a Patreon show, but I'll bring it up again. Fuck, I'll bring it up again now because I, I didn't watch any movies this week. You watch mm-hmm. a movie? No. So this is cinema-less crespity stuff. <laughs> I've still watched stuff. Um, and I mentioned this. I, I forgot which one. I think it was on the Mononoke episode. Because that would track with it being a nature base or mm-hmm. being out in the forest. But I finished watching season one of Alone yeah. on Hulu. It was a History Channel show. There's like six seasons of it. The, the season's from like 2013, so I'm uh, behind on this. But anyway, it was pretty entertaining. It's a pretty satisfying show. I gotta say, to, to the 11 episodes, 10 of them are really... One of them sort of like a flashbacky episode, no. like in the middle. It's fascinating how... There were, it's 10 dudes who are, um, 10 white guys, nine white guys, and then the 10th guy is like, is he, (laughs) he might be white. And they're just dropped off on Vancouver Island, uh, like right at the onset of winter. Like winter is coming in like a month, month and a half. Survive. So yeah, survive. And it's the highest concentration, this island for the area is like the highest concentration of black bears and cougars. Yeah, baby. Cool. I, was, I was like, what's up, Karen? And <laughs> that, that, that kind of cougar. I was like, oh, this, these these videos aren't that cool. I had to put away the lotion. And, um, yeah, survival's hard because it's also uh, rainy season when they get there. It's like rainy season into winter. Mm-hmm. So everything is wet. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything is difficult. Uh, of the 10 dudes... Six of them left in the first six days, mm-hmm. like one at a time, and then the last four like lasted for like over over a month in this environment, which is over a month is like well, and it's fascinating to see what eventually made them quit. And then I think it's at it, the ultimate prize for the person who lasts the longest is five hundred thousand dollars, which is a heck of a lot of money. Of money yeah. And whenever they like, and they have to film themselves, uh, and they have like a, they even show every now and then like a trunk of. Gear. Equipment that they have to lug around, and mm-hmm. one guy, he's talking to the camera. He's like, "The cameras is one thing I did not think about <laughs> having to do this." 
um, this is a pain in the ass, these cameras. And the, uh, the cameras are a total pain in the ass. Yeah. And they're always like, they, so they have to like film themselves. They have two cameras. So they've done this kind of shit before. Um, is it naked and afraid like that? Don't know. I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen it. that one. Um, Bear Grylls and this other guy from 15 years ago, 10 uh, years ago. Well, uh, Survivor Man, that Les guy. Yes. He, he did Les the alone. He did the alone. So where, like, he was I, out there with cameras. Himself, and it was just him. So, like, during the making of episode at the end of every season, it would show him, like, he would walk to a place, mm-hmm. set up his camera, yes. walk all the way back out of frame just so he could walk back into frame yes. and walk past his camera so he could turn around, walk back, pick it up, pack it all up, and then continue on his adventure. And it's fascinating how you have to do that. And these people, these 10 guys who are there for the survival aspect, they are also now responsible yeah. for... Now you're the cameraman, too. Give us some footage. <laughs> and sometimes they're good at it with, like, yeah, here's some like nice nature shots, or, oh, look, there's a bear. And then... Especially later on, one guy was like, um, so I haven't filmed anything for five days because <laughs> there's just been nothing to film and I've been tired. And uh, So they really are at the, um, like the, it's up to the contestants and how much they film and what they're willing to film for them to, to actually have a show to yeah. put it together. And it is only the first season. I'm interested in seeing, I'm going to keep watching it because I want to see what other environments they drop these people off in. And if they maybe drop them off with a cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they do have some, like, super professional shots out there, so they definitely went out there with a camera crew at times and got some great shots. And uh, But I want to see the environments change. I want to see the contestants change in terms of, like I said, it's like nine, like, just straight-up, straight-ass white dudes. And then the tenth guy is, like, sort of brownish. I'm not sure. Um, but all from like Nebraska, Georgia, yeah. middle of nowhere, huge houses in the middle of nowhere, cheap houses, cheap mansions, and all of them married because it, it makes no sense to put a single person out there. Yeah. It's like, I'll just live out here forever. This is great. <laughs> you know, I got nothing waiting for me at home. Exactly. After two days, every single one of these guys is like, I miss my wife, <laughs> I miss my kid, or my, 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 my pregnant wife. Or my dog. <laughs> yeah. Nah, do they mention the dog? No, they go straight to the pregnancies and the babies. I miss my babies. And they never mention the $500,000. No one is ever like, I'm out here to prove this to myself. Can I do it? And I'm, I'm going to compete with myself. No one ever says, I'm out here to make half a million dollars. I'm out cause... here to win goddamn money because I owe money to the government. And I got, I got alimony. To pay. <laughs> alimony. I had, I got <laughs> ugly divorce. Yes. They, none of them. So I feel like they cut all that out. If anyone Maybe. ever did mention money no. into the, into the cameras, editors like get all the stuff and make it seem more altruistic of these guys. Not altruistic, but like, I'm here to get in touch with nature and, and skin some hides and, and eat some eels and some slugs. Yeah. Uh, it's it's fascinating. You want to be a hunter-gatherer like your forefathers. Man, <clears throat> and then watching these guys do it, I'm like, boy, yeah. It's so, rough, dude. So think I'd be, if an animal doesn't eat me, and if I don't drink bad water, I'd be dead in 35 days, <laughs> depending on the time of year. Yeah. Yeah. That's the max. That's my max out there for sure. Like, oh, man. If, and then if depending on where we are, if I can't make fire, it it's keep, done. keeps going down, down yep, those yep. days. That actuary table is brutal for me looking at these guys. But it's fascinating to watch it. Not mm-hmm. bad. Not something that I'm normally into, like survival and camping and all that kind of stuff or whatever. But yeah. it's a pretty well, pretty well done show. Um, this morning, I watched episode five of WandaVision. Okay. I was like, 
It's like a couple hours ago. I was like, oh shit, I haven't. <laughs> we're, we're recording. I haven't watched this goddamn episode yet. And it's only half an hour. Actually, this week's was 35 minutes. Ooh. <laughs> but uh, I watched it. And it's interesting now. We're five episodes in on a nine up arc. And it has opened up in a way that. So you have your sitcom type stuff happening. This week is an 80s style sitcom in the vein of like family ties and a little Roseanne ish sort of. And, um, but then it's also about like the people on the outside of Wanda's, her little world and like trying to figure out how, what's going on, how to get in and all that. It's expanding in an interesting way. And then there's something that happens, Drew, at the end of episode five that I want to, I really, really want to talk to you about, but you're not watching the show and nope. not, even off mic. <laughs> this is something that you'd be like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> this is, it's fascinating in a meta um, opening up the MCU into the much larger, what we know as the Marvel Universe. world of no. movies and stuff, um, connecting some older things and newer. It's it's fucking and doing it in a way it's so um, uh, for for what it is in the context of the show of the WandaVision, doing it in a way that's very like meta and cute. But it's also like a twist. You're like, what? And then it ends. So the episode ends. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, that's a good that's a good ending. I uh, am getting into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing the structure now. Episodes one through three set up. Four and five. Now we're in the meat of it. Things are, the, the drama's happening. Uh, it's getting really interesting. And then, that's, so six will probably <clears throat> continue that. Continue that. And then seven, eight, nine. Yeah, yeah. The big it, ending. Yeah. That's when Doctor Strange shows up, et cetera, et cetera. Look, it's, I'm into it. I'm into it. It's fun. Um, I finally got into, started watching the uh, Shit's Creek. Okay, and I've watched uh, seasons one and two so far. Easy watch. Twenty minute eps. Thirteen eps a season. Come on, they go down uh, real quick. Real quick, and it's funny. Hmm. I mean, this is what everyone's been talking about. It's no. like, it's like me coming around here being like. Emmanuel, I've seen I've seen this show called Seinfeld. <laughs> Have you ever heard of it? It's a show about nothing. Can you dig it, baby? Yeah. Wow. I, I, can. I don't think anyone's ever talked about this show before. It's from the nineties, apparently. Mm. Uh yeah, Shit's Creek is like really it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth checking out. It's uh There's it's a reason looking, why people were watching it. Why people were watching it, why it survived being on Pop Original. What the fuck? For what the hell what is that? It was on that. Uh, it was one of those cable shows mm. or channels. It's a CBC original, making a Canadian broadcasting okay. company, I believe. Um, so it's a, it's a Canadian show, yeah, and then it, and then in America it was just on Pop. It was relegated to Pop. That's a bunch of bullshit. And then when it got to Netflix, it got that Netflix bump, which is a real ass thing. Yeah, and it's good. It's good. I'm liking it. Dan Levy is super funny. Yeah. Everyone's funny on it. Obviously, Eugene and Catherine O'Hara are amazing. Um, it's good, man. It's good. I can easily recommend it. Um, also, I think I can recommend this. I'm not done with it, but I'm enjoying it. I've watched the first three episodes of a six-episode limited series called The Head. Okay. It just came out on HBO Max. And it's one of these things where, sort of like how Netflix, they get they acquire um, foreign-made produce shows and then release some under the Netflix umbrella. Yeah. HBO is starting to do that now. So this okay. is uh, made somewhere like an, it's an Asian production of some sort, but it's all, uh, everyone's speaking in English. Like it's not dubbed or yeah. anything. It's in Antarctica 
Um, the setup is pretty fun. I'll give you the setup. It's an Antarctica, and it's the uh, the summer crew is about to go home, leaving behind the, the skeleton winter crew to, to work the six months of darkness oh. in Antarctica, right? And, of course, it's like, oh, yeah, it's a scientific outpost in Antarctica. It's supposed to be some sort of dark show. Everyone's thinking it the thing, yeah. right? Uh, they direct reference to the thing <laughs> within 20 minutes of this of the first like, episode. Listen, guys, we know what you're thinking. Like, we all know. We all, we're all, okay, yeah. so can we all move on now? Okay, we all acknowledge. No, yeah. we're moving on. It's pretty cute. And then, um, like, something weird happens. Like, oh, that's weird in a Lynchian way. And then it cuts, like, six months later. <laughs> <laughs> all right? Uh-oh. Yeah, the, <laughs> And uh, it's like the first day of the of like the first day of sunlight in six months. The summer crew is coming back, and they're nervous because they haven't been in communication with anyone for like three weeks. Yeah. And then when they get there, shit's all fucked up. They're finding some dead bodies. Some people are missing. So then the show becomes, and then they find a survivor. And then it's an investigation. What the fuck? Now you're interviewing this person. What the hell happened? What the hell happened? And this person's telling you, but what can he believe? What can't you believe? It's pretty good. About hour long eps. Okay. And uh, so it's definitely like uh, it's got that thriller sort of feel, mystery thriller, the type of thing where it's you know it's also like uh, I've seen the, this sort of reference before to it, um, Agatha Christie, because it's like a, a, a locked room of people, and then something happens. Now who did it? Yeah. Amongst these, and <laughs> I, I have no idea. Any, yeah. like, at this point, anyone like no one could have done it, so anyone could have done it. It's weird. It's interesting. Episode three, which I finished late last night, also just like Wandavision, ended with like a little twist. Where it's like, what? <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? Um, it's pretty good. Cool. I'm into it. So that's the head on HBO, and that's what I've been watching this week. A lot of serial, serialized stuff as opposed to movies. I wanted to watch that Malcolm and Marie that just came out on Netflix. Maybe I'll check it out this week. It's a good Valentine's Day movie because it's um, yeah. It's uh, two attractive people. Two attractive people being all angry. Attractive. All attractive <laughs> and angry at each other. Like, why do I want to fuck you so bad? And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You you infuriate me, but your body is so smoking. Uh, I also got to watch that Euphoria show. Yeah. yeah. I never got around to that it's either. Goddamn, goddamn A24 HBO well, I mean, show, man. It's, it's about high school kids doing drugs. Like, I I that lived should, it. That, yeah, man. <laughs> you should be like, yes. I, I don't... I feel this in my bones. I don't need to watch it because there, there, some really awful things are going to happen that I'd rather not relive. Oh, well, yeah. Or maybe you get catharsis out of seeing it, like, oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's going to be like, better. it's going to be the Requiem for a Dream Dirty Feeling. I'm just going to, like, be, I'm, I'm just going to be taking a crying game shower. I can't get clean. Right. I can't get clean. Okay. Doing the old Ace Ventura uh, plunger to the... Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, all right, well, that that was my uh, media diet for the week. What do you got, buddy? Uh, I watched up, well, I think I watched like three or four episodes of The Expanse. So I'm up to num- episode eight. I've only got two more to go. Oh, yeah, that's true. I also did, I forgot about that because that's why I write things down or else I forget. But thank God you're here. Yeah, The Expanse. Um, I'm all caught up on that one. Did, uh, you, did you watch the finale? Yeah, watch the finale. Okay. Watch the finale this week. Uh, so I guess next week probably we'll do like a bonus episode on mm-hmm. it for patrons. Uh, so which which episode is the last one that you're up to? Uh, I finished eight, so I got nine and ten left. Oh, eight, yes, that's pretty far in. Um, uh, what's her name? Naomi is on the uh, on Marco's ship. Yeah. Well, no, she's she already she jumped off. She she already jumped off. So the episode that I just finished was the one where she's figuring out how she's going to save, you know, herself and the people coming to save yeah. her from she, she's on the, the ship uh, exploding. She's on the Chetsamoka. Yeah, she, she she's on a giant she's she's, she's basically on a, on a bomb. She's on a bomb. <laughs> uh 
the Chitsamoka. I love the, the names of everything. And, and then there's... That's episode eight. Yes, I think episode nine is named uh, when like Winnipesaukee or something. Yes. And it's like so they have all these space names, and then they have I'm like what Winnipesaukee? What is that? And then it starts, and it's like, oh, that's just Earth. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Earth part of the storyline, <laughs> Lake Winnipesaukee. Um, yeah, it's a good season. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. Looking forward to it's, season uh, six. It's weird how like they split up the crew for this season yes like we're not well normally they're all together and we're following their story mm-hmm. now we're still following their story but they're all separate yeah so yeah which is uh and then always ends up being satisfying because every doesn't especially yeah, in like sci-fi and fantasy books they always come back together exactly you break <laughs> you break up the band and you bring them back together but they're all like maybe change a oh. little bit in some way one was like missing a finger or mm-hmm. something i don't know uh yeah it's it's satisfying it's also I like how, um, how the show looks, even though it gets a little low budget because obviously it's made made for TV, mm-hmm. even though it's Amazon now. Um, so they're doing all this big space battle stuff. So like design wise and conceptually, it looks really cool. But then sometimes as it flies by real fast, like yeah, it looks very video game ish. Well, yeah, I mean it's TV, man. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, it's TV. It's sci-fi TV, which is its own thing, but it still looks pretty uh, cool. I like the designs of all the ships. Yeah. I think they all look super cool. I mean, I like it all. Yeah, the Razorback, the the Martian one is pretty mm-hmm. cool. And the, the Behemoth, now season four, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what else? We got Tycho. Tycho Station. Tycho Station. Uh, Comtrue Station. <laughs> uh, the Expanse. The Expanse is good stuff. Yeah. Definitely enjoy I'm enjoying it. Uh, were you able to watch anything else? No, that was all. That was it. All right, well, no problem. That's good. We can have a short first half because we have Billy Dean's death of the movies. We have an email from Cromello. We have comments in the Facebook group, and then I have a whole bunch of news stories. So the second half, it's not even the second half, it's the second two-thirds All right, is what we got going on here. Gotcha. It's going to be pretty packed, but it's going to be pretty good. So here we go. We're going to take a break. You're going to listen to Billy Dean's death of the movies. He's going to talk about the wanting mayor. And, uh, and then another film. And we'll be back with more after this. What's up, my dudes? I'm about to have a very lazy Sunday watching Snowfall, playing video games, and eating leftover shepherd's pie. These last couple weeks, I've been wrapped up learning a couple new things for work, so I've been slacking in the film watching department. However, I was able to get into some screeners that were sent over to me. The Wanting Mare and the Queen of Black Magic. Horror seems to pop in different countries at different times. Remember the Japanese horror run of the early 2000s? 
or the explosion of French extreme horror films in the mid-2000s? Well, it appears these last couple of years, there's been a pop of great supernatural horror films from Indonesia. I mean, Indonesia has a really cool film history, and I recommend diving into some of the great schlock action of the past, but they do have a pretty rich horror scene that is now being mined for some truly awesome remakes. In the last couple of years, Shudder's been the place to see these films as they're released, with titles like Satan's Slaves, May the Devil Take You, and Pedagore, and now The Queen of Black Magic. The Queen's directed by Kimo Stambol, the director of Macabre and Killers, both are pretty great, and written by Joko Anwar, director of Satan Slaves and Pedagore and the Forbidden Door. So the talent behind this already had me stoked. And this is a great slow burn film. So many awesome twists and turns. At first, I was lulled into a pretty false sense of security that I was just watching a light drama about several families that gather at an orphanage where the fathers were all raised because the man that ran the orphanage is dying. But... Once the fuse is lit, the Queen of Black Magic delivers on some pretty great, super uncomfortable moments. I really like these Indonesian films. They have some really fantastic imagery with their folklore and ghosts, and it makes me want to do a deep dive and watch all the early 80s films these are based on. Long live the Queen of Black Magic. Check it out on Shudder. I have things to say about The Wanting Bear. This is a pretty stunning debut from filmmaker Nicholas Ash Bateman. Filmed almost entirely in a warehouse in Patterson, New Jersey over the course of five years, this epic fantasy film spans 60 years on the shore of a city called Witherin and is a stunning achievement in visual effects on a budget. To put it simply, there are two cities, one where it's always summer and one where it's always winter. A boat comes once a year to Witherin, the summer city, to transport horses that are native there to a city called Levithan. Tickets for passage on this boat can be purchased, but they are more valuable than gold. So, uh, yeah, this movie is about a group of people all fighting over a boat ticket. The story's there, but it's there the way a Terrence Malick film has a story. So it basically means you feel like you're watching someone's dreams. There's a really, like, amazing making of documentary available on YouTube for this film that I highly recommend watching, especially for aspiring filmmakers. I am really looking forward to what Bateman has coming next. He says he has several films planned for this universe, and I'm down for it. The Wanting Mare is not for everyone, but if you are thinking about learning how to make films and are concerned with your budget, take a look at what time and dedication can do. Truly inspiring in that sense. I did notice a couple keyframes in the compositing masks that slipped a couple times, but I'm a video professional, and no one's going to notice that but me and other people in the industry. I hate even bringing it up because that's like complaining about a brushstroke in a whole painting. But those are my big negatives. A couple of times I saw the keyframe slip and the story might not be enough for some people. This is a home run. The Wanting Mare is in select theaters and video on demand now. will likely hit Hulu, Amazon, Shutter, etc. within the year. Stay cool, Billy D.
rest in pieces. Christopher Plummer at the age of 91. Hey. That was uh, yesterday, two days ago. Uh, sad, not a tragedy. Lived a full life, very well re- uh, regarded mm-hmm. and well loved. Oldest actor to win an uh, Oscar for uh, Beginners. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Yeah. And I saw a good joke on Twitter that said uh, he took another role that should have gone to Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Boom, baby. Take that, Kevin Spacey. No one likes you anymore. Die. <laughs> yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, how come he's not dead? <laughs> Only the good die young, Drew. Rest in peace, well, that Christopher means Plummer. Christopher Plummer's been a piece of shit. <laughs> Big old piece of shit. He did play a Nazi really well in Inside Man. Yeah, he did. Uh, very, very good actor. Most uh, Sound of Music, man. It was a long-ass time ago. Once again, Nazis. Nazis, yes. <laughs> Strapping young Nazis. Um... Also, rest in peace, Army Hammer's career. He got dropped by WME. Just wanted to put that out there. Another okay. another Army Hammer update. And uh, also, did I mention his role has been recast in Shotgun Wedding okay. by, uh, oh, Josh Duhamel. Ah, bland white guy number six. Yes, exactly. So now we can officially go back to not caring about Shotgun Wedding just like we were before. All right. Okay. Um, so... <clears throat> We're on the TikTok cinema crossbody, so look us up for dumb videos. I'm not posting nearly often enough, according to uh, TikTok influencer wannabe standards, et cetera, et cetera. But man, come on. Do <laughs> <sighs> you really have that kind of time? No, no, my, I think I do, but I don't know. I don't. Werner Herzog might have time, but I don't. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe Werner Herzog will make an appearance this week mm. on the TikTok cinema crossbody. So on Instagram, Facebook group, crossbody. So on Twitter, we call cinema crossbody. So they didn't fit. There's too many letters. And uh, email us cinema crespodiso at gmail And when you email us emails for the show, we shall read them on the show. I like this. Uh, I got an email from Cremella. What up, Cremella? Hey, dudes. I watched the first movie of 2021 in St. Maud. Okay. I'm not giving away any details about this A24 movie because you'll enjoy it most knowing the least. Let's just say it's a Druvy. Ooh. All right. I love a Druvy. So I'll enjoy it. Yeah. And if I enjoy it, chances are you'll probably enjoy it. Famous Druvies include Hereditary, mm-hmm. Visitor Q, mm-hmm. Audition. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Lots of Miyake in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa, what's wrong with this guy? This guy's a weird, real possessor now. This guy's a real weirdo. Definitely a Druvy. Possessor is such a Druvy. <laughs> it's such a Druvy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a really, Absolutely. it's a really beautiful mind fuck. Yes, man, Possessor's really good. No, yeah. definitely want to rewatch that one. What's it on? It's on. You go ahead and keep doing the email. I'm gonna see okay. if Possessor's <clears throat> available. Uh, here is my top ten list for 2020. Ooh, exciting! I decided to group them. I decided to group them rather than rank them. I think you reviewed the. I think you reviewed them except for Nomadland coming soon, Swallow on Showtime, mm-hmm. Promising Young Woman, Amazon, mm-hmm. and Painter and the Thief on Hulu. I'm pretty sure you'll both dig these movies when you get a chance to see them. Yeah, all those are have been on the radar. Best of Best of 2020 movies that didn't need to be made and probably should have sucked. <laughs> all of these movies were retreads of old ideas, but great writing lifted them all. Bill and Ted 3, yep. Borat 2, yep. Palm Springs. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the Groundhog Day genre. Yeah. 
I mean, I was even surprised when Happy Death Day worked out. I never saw the sequel. Neither did I. Uh, and then at the end, they were like, it's just like Groundhog Day. And she was like, what's that? <laughs> there, yeah. I was like, oh, that's cute. Um, yeah, th- those movies all, like, shouldn't have been made. <laughs> no, B- Bill and Ted 3 especially. Especially? Like, why? It should. Like, I was surprised when it was being made, and then I was and even then, more surprised when it finished. Yeah. And then I was even more surprised, and they were like, no, listen, we're releasing this thing. Yeah. So, uh, it's coming what? Out. And then the surprise continues yeah. when people were like, we like this. And then I was even more surprised when I watched it and I liked it. And we liked it. Like, we like this sweet, sentimental little piece of uh, uh, time traveling pavilion. It's fun. Yeah. Having a good time. It was good nostalgia as it, opposed to bad nostalgia. Yeah, it worked. It did. It worked. Station. I was like, all right, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Slice of Life movies. Each of these movies gave us a unique perspective from the characters Lover's Rock, mm. The Painter and the Thief. Okay. Nomad Land, okay. The Sound of Metal. Um, Sound of Metal is great. Obviously, we both talked about that already. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nomad Land, it's like that. Mank and Trial of the Chicago Seven are your front runners for this year's weird ass Oscars okay. coming out in April. Nomad Land specifically is like the hottest movie that no one's seen. Yeah. And then when we eventually get to see it, you know what it is? It's Francis McDermott just like an RV traveling the country talking to other uh, 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 transients. Yeah. That's a transient movie. Yeah. But it's understated. It's <laughs> and I'm sure it's very deep yeah, and I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and McDermott's going to get her third fucking like, yeah. uh, Oscar for it. But it's Fargo, three billboards and this. She'll have another crazy speech where she curses or something because mm-hmm. she's uh, all wild. And... We haven't. Uh, it hasn't had a, a wide rollout yet. It's ridiculous how long they're waiting. And it's Chloe Zhao, whose previous movie I think is the writer, which is that little uh, the the dude with like the bad back who's gonna no. ride again. Uh, again, another small, little, intimate, just character film. And then her next movie is Marvel's Eternals. Like <laughs> <laughs> so what the fuck? It's not. That's like a, that's a step. Yeah, no, that's a step. Anyway, we'll actually talk about that a little bit more uh, during the news segment. Uh, but I believe the email continues. Yes. Fucked up indies. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of ending things. Possessor. Oh, yeah. Promising young woman. Swallow. Possessor. Yes, yes. Um, Swallow's another one that I've been meaning. I feel like I'm I'm, oh, I'm going to get squirmy watching it. Because it's about a lady who eats things that she shouldn't be eating. Mm. Like thumbtacks and whatnot. <laughs> but it's, 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 not, it's not Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. It's 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 fake Jennifer Lawrence, who I still I still like. She's still pretty good, and uh, also promising woman. I gotta get on that one. And that documentary, uh, which we almost rented, I think. What during the pan- the pandemic, the um, painter and the thief. Yeah, I think so. But then it looked like, man, am I gonna am I, <laughs> am I really trying to cry in front of Drew tonight? I don't know. <laughs> Do I really want to feel bad for this awful human being? Yeah, it's like. <laughs> You finally see me. Like I saw the trailer. I think I, I think I get it. I think I get it. Thanks for making the show fun, even when the new movies are slim pickings. Oh, appreciate it, buddy. It is has been a true slim pickings year, though. Unfortunately, yeah, it's been shit year. Ah, uh, but some good news for people who everyone should have Hulu because they practically give it away. Fucking uh, like, oh, you're renting a new home. Here's Hulu. Yeah. Oh, you, you turned your power on. Here's Hulu. You're buying milk today. Here's, Here's Hulu. Hulu. Uh, Hulu has to deal with Neon. Neon is the distributor for Possessor. Nice. Hence, Hulu has Possessor. Cool. Yeah. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to one day starting up Hulu and everything being yellow and it's saying Possessor. It's, I mean, yeah, pull it up today, see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. Um, 
And then also Saint Maud is playing at the end zone here, one week only. So expect a uh, Drusa Cogburn straight up Drewy review. Yeah, apparently, I'm, apparently I'm gonna enjoy it. it, it it's gonna happen. We're gonna see. Is it a Drewy? We'll find out. It's gonna be weird. It should be weird and fucked up. It's getting it's great word of mouth, people. Yeah. I've only seen positive things about this movie. I, I like so. the weird and the fucked up. So uh, thank you for the email. We appreciate cinema crispiniso at gmail.com. That was awesome. How uh, how about uh, our Facebook group? I put up a comment slash question thread. People can put whatever they want in there. And maybe we might be a little more picky choosy about what we read from that section, but still. Go ahead and uh, just just rattle off what we got there, buddy. Alright, uh, I got a mess from Gate. Couple messages from Gabe. What up, Gabe? Gabe, uh, he's, Gabe, got, Gabe. he's got reviews. One Division episode five. Okay, I'm uh, I'm glad this is a series because this wouldn't make sense as a movie. It'd be harder to follow this movie for sure. The part I hate because most uh the part I hate most is probably the cut jumps from Wanda's show to the outside world because it doesn't feel cohesive. Mm-hmm. The exposition feels overly dramatic and rushed while Wanda's show is slower paced. That's true. I will say this though, he is tr- that is correct. There is a tonal shift. Yes, almost a pushback when episode five, like I said, it's the 80s episode, so that has a specific tone with, with laugh tracks and whatnot, and, and, um, but then they cut to the FBI and everyone all around the outside world trying to figure out what's going on, and then it, fe- it does feel like a different show now. It's like what, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is happening outside of uh, fake family ties, yeah. uh, and then they interact in a weird way. Uh, but I will say this, when you get to that point, when you expand and you start adding the outside world, it does affect Wanda's show, her inside world, and it does it in some like weird, interesting tension-building ways, I feel like, uh, that they've been doing all along, where it's like, oh, something's wrong here, in like a atmospheric, like, everyone knows, like, why is it so quiet? And yeah, yeah. Like, yeah it, it's good. When, there, there's an elephant in the room, and nobody's talking about it. Yes, <laughs> and that elephant is shitting, and it stinks. Yep. And people are just like, mm. <laughs> it's good. It's, I think it's good. I'm enjoying it more as the series progresses. I'm looking forward to seeing how it all wraps up. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Westworld Season 3. Nice. All right. Episodes 1 through 6. Okay. I just wanted to drop in and comment because this episode 6 has a crazy man, Ed Harris, talking to himself in a loony bin. Yeah. And man, what a treasure this Ed Harris guy is. <laughs> he really is good. He is. Uh, I picked up on Westworld again because I got HBO Max and season 3 has been really good so far. Still got two webs to go. I love the season 2 expanded the cast and brought more complexity to the story. Season 3 has a couple great additions that doesn't disappoint. I love how the show projects into the future, but still remains relevant today. Big data, big corporations, simulations, AI. The show is all the stuff I like about sci-fi. Also, the season three action scenes are really, really good. I'm talking John Wick levels of good. Yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah, uh, I agree with all that. You know, I think, like, I haven't looked too far into it, but I think season three of Westworld is not as well liked overall, not as well reviewed well, I amongst think TV critics and stuff. Well, I, I think it's because maybe of the expansion of everything. Like, yeah. seasons one and two, I mean, season one is, like, Westworld. It's like the movie in series form. Uh, season two, it expands things and makes things a little bit. By the end of season, I mean season three, we're not really even in Westworld anymore. That's true. We're just following the characters that have <laughs> that are from Westworld. It's like in, so. it's like in um, what is it? Season two of Prison Break, they break out of the prison. Okay. Like they finally get out of prison in season two. So, and so, then they come so, back for so what's season. What's the show? They come back for season three, season <laughs> four. There's like four seasons of Prison Break. And, yeah. 
I think what, I, what are they doing? I think at one point they had to break back in. It was like lost. We gotta go back. <laughs> it's absurd. What? I didn't really watch it, but I was paying attention. I was like, wait, Bro. they broke out of the prison? Now they're going back in? Um, yeah, that's all. That's all fair. And Cremella gets at us. What's up, Cremella? Oh, man, I'm so happy to hear from this guy. I love you guys. Drew, please describe how you would build your ultimate sub at home. What bread would you use? What meats? And what condiments? Chris, feel free to piggyback at the end. Okay, but we're here, we're here for Drew's ultimate home sub? I guess. I mean, I'm assuming you're going to start with like some like Russian-grade steel, but I mean, it's up to you to see what you get. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of sub you building here, buddy? Well, I mean, it, it, bread and meat, so I'm, I think, I'm thinking this is an actual sandwich. Oh, I missed the bread and meat part. Yes. I thought that was like a hammer, sickle, uh, yeah, like no. CIA code word, uh, no. spy left out in the cold type of thing. Yeah, no. Trying to keep the, the, the government off of our case here. But no, I'm not. I mean, I don't normally make submarine sandwiches at home. No, I'm not, uh, <laughs> no you're not a submarine guy, Drew Chicago. I'm normally just like a regular sandwich kind of dude. Okay, but if I was gonna make a submarine sandwich at home, it'd probably be a meatball sub. Oh, so yeah, you know, some handmade meatballs with pork and veal and homemade tomato sauce. Okay, fresh whole milk mozzarella. Fresh? Like you making it or are you going to the store? Oh no, I'm going. I'm like... going to the sub, but I'm buying whole milk. None, none of this skim milk mozzarella bullshit. Yeah, but I'm part skim. But 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 you're not making it though. No. Okay. As fresh as possible though. I mean, like if there's an Italian store down the street where some old Italian man makes it every day, yeah. that's the shit I'm buying. That sounds good. What about uh? So we got some tomato on there. Any tomato re- sauce, homemade marinara. Just fresh. a sauce, but I mean any any sort of uh. uh yeah, no, just meatballs, just, meat, just meat sauce, sauce, cheese on a nice French roll. How would you feel, Jessica Cogburn, if I proposed to you? We took those meatballs, we mashed them up, mixed them up with that sauce. Just made a sloppy joke. I mean, that's pretty much what it would be. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? I mean, but that's not a sub. It's not? What if I put it on a hoagie, hoagie roll? A I mean, long sub roll? I mean, I, I guess then it would be a sub. A, a, a sloppy Joe sub. But that would be more... I mean, it seems like that would be more of like soup in a bread bowl. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it would be. That's why I have to have a layer of cheese down there between the bread and the, and the sloppy joe sauce. Make sure it doesn't all seep through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now you see the provolone. Mm-hmm. Provolone. Okay. Um, how about that for a piggyback? I, mean, I just turned your meatball slub into a, a sloppy mess. Italian sloppy joe. Into a sloppy uh, eat now diarrhea later mess. Sounds, cool. Sounds good, though. Yeah. Especially on a, a Super Bowl Sunday. You're not allowed to say uh, the, the big game, the name of it, Drew. They sue you, apparently. I know. So it's uh, we got to come up with different funny ways to call it. I mean, it's it's the Superb Owl. The Superb Owl Party. I'm going to one of those later. Oh. Underground Superb Owl Party. Mm-hmm. No masks. <gasps> not allowed. It says right on the invitation. So if you want to be a mask-wearing commie, Get out of here. So does that mean I have to wear a mask the next time I see you? Because you might be infected? No, uh, I ain't going to be infected. There's going to be no, a no-mask superb owl it's, party. It's, it's not real, man. Even if it was real, most of the people who got it have pre-existing conditions anyway. Right? That's why I saw a guy in a new city. <laughs> I hate you so much. I'm just repeating things I heard in the media without question. What's wrong with that? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Um, let's uh, jump into some newsies. We got a whole bunch of newsies here. For example, at apartmenthomes.com. What is this? What is a goddamn pop up ad? How did that happen? Uh, yeah. Live chat. No, don't, you don't want to chat with you, Blake. They want to get you an apartment and you got to talk to Blake about it. Goddamn, Blake. 
Um, so this is pretty big news here. And, you know, we, we used to do This Week in Rape Culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, man, that does a lot to your psyche <laughs> when you jump into that on a weekly basis. But this one's uh, a pretty big one, but also sort of you can chalk it up to surprising no one. Marilyn Manson, a.k.a. Uh, Brian Warner, mm-hmm. accused of um, uh, grooming, brainwashing, manipulation d- during uh, his relationship with Evan Rachel Wood. I mean, duh. Right? That's what it feels like. It's, yeah, this guy. <laughs> this guy's a fucking... I mean, he, A... presents himself as a so weirdo. I was about to say... A, he's got the persona. B, he's a rock star. Mm-hmm. And C, Entitled. If, he's, if he's a rock star with that kind of persona, mm-hmm. he's probably pre- actually pretty damaged. So I wouldn't, it, none of that surprises me. Yeah, he's a real, uh, yeah. So her post started, then others have come forward with similar similar accusations. Okay. Um, Dita Von Teese, with whom he was married for a couple of years, had her own statement where she was like, he was nothing but nice to me. So, uh, but well, that, I mean, but they were married. So. Yeah. But then he was also married to Evan Rachel Wood, but she was also super young when they got together. She was 18. I think it actually says here she was 18. He was 36. Yeah. That, no. That's a power dynamic. Mm-hmm. That's not good. So, uh, Marilyn Manson, Grosso, Barfo, uh, surprising no one. Right? Yeah, being a gross weirdo. It's a, it's like, yeah, of course. Of course he was. It's more surprising when he found he's a he's a nice guy. Yeah, that would have been yeah, that would have been like, it's like, like oh it's like somewhere this is the Marilyn Manson uh child cancer ward. Yes. You know? Like I'd be like, wait, what? Like what? <laughs> yeah, he's very he, he he loves working with children. Uh they love him. The kids love Marilyn. <laughs> he, they call him Marilyn. They love him. He shows up with balloons and uh, yeah, see that that would be surprising. Like, yeah, and he's just like, so it's like this is my honest, honestly, this is my passion yeah. <laughs> to, to work with these kids and just put a smile on their face. It's such a hard time for these kids. That you see that that would be weird. Like what the hell? But him being on this week in rape culture doesn't, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, exactly. Part of the course. So like he straight up has like a I don't know if he dubs it this or if the girl saw this and it, it, it was the vibe that she gave it gave her. But she called it a rape room. Okay. I was like, come on now. Yeah. Sex dungeon. Yeah. It, now, now, is it a sex dungeon? You're allowed to have a sex dungeon. Nothing wrong with having a sex dungeon. Uh, uh, Pen. Pen Gillette. Which one's the big one? Yeah, Pen. He has a sex dungeon. He's got a big old sex room that's like right off the, the, the foyer. <laughs> <laughs> you walk in. Hey, good, let me show you the home. There's a yeah. sex dungeon. There's a bathroom. <laughs> um, that That's his thing. He doesn't do no drugs. No. Uh, so he's Ted Ninja. Where his drug is pussy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah baby cat scratch fever. And also QAnon conspiracies. That's more uh, that's more new damage. <laughs> that's more than nuge. Uh you're allowed to, you know, be a freak. Ain't nothing wrong with that, but you gotta be a consensual freak. It's yeah. gotta be you know. And none of this consensual, non consensual, no what what an army hammer was doing, that's fucked up. You guys are you're you're uh don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't do that. So, uh, yeah, yeah that, that sucks. That sucks. We're going to do All right. Here we got a, you know, Stephen Amel. Not personally, but Stephen Amel. He's who? Um, TV's Green Arrow. Nope. Green, well, you know, Green Arrow. I mean, I know who Green Arrow is. Yeah, exactly. But I do not watch. I mean, you know, I don't watch. I, I haven't watched. I think I, I've seen half of an Arrow show. Okay. Like, I've watched The Flash. I'm a Flash guy. Yeah. But I'm, even then, I haven't really no. watched it in a while. But the guy who was the Arrow okay. for now a whole while. Okay. Uh, 
that has ended for him a couple of years ago, I think. So he's moving on now, and he is working on a movie called Heels, and it's a wrestling movie. Mm-hmm. And they just announced that they got a CM Punk. Is it a movie or it's a series? It's for stars. Okay. It's a star series called Heels, and it's a pro wrestling series. And about, C- about the bad guys. About the bad guys, and CM Punk just signed up. Real name, Phil Brooks, who has left WWE in 2014. Vowed he would never, ever return to wrestling. He's not. He's playing. He, now he's acting as wrestling. He's just acting as wrestling. Smart guy. This CM Punk guy is a fascinating dude with his whole the MTV real world. Uh, it was real world I started on, I believe. I thought that was The Miz. The Miz was on MTV. Well, was that The Miz? Where did CM no. Punk come from? I don't know. Was he on Tough Enough? I feel like he also started from where he's like, I want to be a wrestler. And people are like, get the fuck out of here. And then he became a wrestler. And, no, then, no, and yeah. then, like, super successful. No, at exactly. It too. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I think the episode, like, I watched, like, a couple episodes of The Real World with The Miz was on. I'm like, oh, this guy wants to be a wrestler. Good for him. Let's see whatever happened. And, and yeah. now it's like, wait a minute. That, that's the real world guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's, exactly. he's on WWF now? Like he's, he's, wait, he, he's super popular? He did it. He did it. Son of a bitch. He did it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny when that mm-hmm. happens. Um, someone I feel like is telling on themselves in this next story. Okay. Jared Leto yeah. is Morbius. And he said Morbius was one of the hardest roles he's had to play because he found the lead character the closest to himself in real life. Mm. Yes. So Jared Leto thinks he's a living vampire. He's some sort of living vampire who wants to prey on others in a way. Drew, what's the story with Morbius? I mean, he's yeah, he's a living. I mean, he was he's kind of super smart guy mm-hmm. who. I mean, the the trailer pretty much sums it up that he's dying. No, yeah. he uses bat DNA something with what's yeah. maybe some sort of sci-fi voodoo. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of like to uh, try to heal himself. Yeah, it's kind of like the lizard type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because Morbius came from the Spider-Man series. Yes. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so same type of thing, just with bats. So, and then, and then they turned up. They, 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 but, but they then he's, did the vampire angle. But then he's a bad guy. Well, yes and no. I mean, he's one some, of those. Yeah, sure. Exactly. He's kind of like the Punisher, where like he. Whatever he deems as the bad guy or something, mm-hmm. like that's the only blood he drinks. So like he he does he doesn't prey on the innocent. He doesn't prey on the weak. Okay. He wants to be he wants to be a hero. Yeah, but he's a fucking vampire. So chances are that's not really gonna happen. So that's Geraletto. He wants to be a hero, but he can't stop uh, inviting girls backstage as thirty seconds to Mars shows. Yeah. You know what I'm talking Probably. about. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about that with this week in rape culture. It's amazing how certain things like were reported on and came out, and, and then people are like, yeah, we're going to let that one go. <laughs> Remember we talked about him having that weird cult? Mm-hmm. And the, yeah. he was like walking around in white robes, yeah. and he encouraged all, all people visiting there to be in white, and he called it like a retreat, or get, I don't know, what he called it? No, it, it, was like, it was, I mean, yeah, he was starting a cult. It was very cult-like. Yeah. And then well, he, I mean, he, he does kind of look like Wasp Jesus. Yes, so. he is white Jesus. <laughs> he is white Jesus. And um, he also was like out in the desert for two weeks, three weeks when the mm. all the, like, the national lockdown first happened mm-hmm. a year or so ago. No. And then he came out of the desert. It was like, turn on his phone. Like, what the fuck? COVID-19. <laughs> COVID <laughs> Shit. I should, we got to go back to Joshua Tree. <laughs> 
that's a YouTube reference. The GameStop stocks movie, Drusa Cogburn, is in the works. As a matter of fact, I mean, it makes sense. It's uh, it was a that was a wild wacky ride. It was a it was a wild wack, wacky ride. Let me see if I'm gonna pull this up here. I'm pull this up here. I'm gonna look at this. And is it is it gonna be called Stonks? One of them's got to be the story of GameStop. One of them's got to be called <laughs> that, right? Um, people should. Most people probably know about the GameStop uh, stocks, uh, Wall Street story from the last week or so. Noah Centineo. I don't know how to say his last name. This Netflix kid. He's been in a bunch of Netflix stuff. He's going to be the next. Supposed to be the next He Man if that ever happens. Okay. Um, he got cast in the Netflix movie. So there's going to be a Netflix movie, according to Deadline. They got Mark Bowl, who uh, is the journalist turned screenwriter who did The Hurt Locker. Uh, they got him to, or the negotiations get him to write it. So yeah, there we go. There we go. And that's yeah. one of them. There's another one in the works. MGM. Oh, the guy who wrote The Anti-Social Network mm-hmm. and also wrote The Accidental Billionaires, uh, which became a social network. He is... Uh, Oh no, that is that is, the anti-social network is the name of the uh, what do you want to call it? The GameStop book. Oh, okay. And, and he's the guy who wrote the movie that became Social Network. Gotcha. So, man, it's crazy. Shit just happened. Yeah. And now it's being optioned as a movie. Millions of dollars are now being exchanged past hands between people who have nothing to do with it, but all this money is now being made, and here we are just talking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're making nothing on it. Hey, a lot of people lost a lot of money on that. Yes. Those are the people that make me feel better about myself. <laughs> like, I, at least I didn't lose anything on it, right? Yeah, people did lose money on it. Um, Yorgos Lathamos. His last movie is The Favorite with Emma Stone. They are reuniting for another film. And it's for a female Frankenstein movie, Jusica Cogburn. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me tell you. I mean, is, is the dialogue going to be all weird like all of his movies? It better be weird. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Yorgos Lathamos. <laughs> Let me tell you about your. So he, this movie is called Bella Baxter. Okay. And it's a novel adaptation. Emma Stone will play the Frankenstein, where she's a you know a, sort of a Frankenstein monster, but instead of an Abby normal brain, uh, she has the brain of an infant. Uh, so, oh, so she's Frankenstein's monster, she's not Fra- Frankenstein. Yeah. Yes. 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 Thank you. That's correct. She's okay. Frankenstein's monster. She has the brain of an infant, <laughs> okay. and uh, and also but a high sex drive. Okay. Ooh, that's kind of. Be strange. That's a Yorgos Lathamos <laughs> production, my friend, is what uh, that is. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to, to seeing what that's going to be all about. Yeah. And let's see, we have Bella Baxter, a beautiful young erotomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> Brought back to life with the brain of an infant. I mean, come on. Fun. That's according to Production Weekly. Oh, that's, that's a whole... Uh, a whole plot breakdown there. I'm not gonna read any of that. We'll just uh, see the movie and be and uh, yeah. it's enjoyable. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. And I'm, now I'm just uh, uh, vamping because I, I I backed out of the email and now no, I gotta find it. No. And here we go. Oh, Story Chris, number six. Sundance Film Festival happening virtually, mm-hmm. and they managed to do a thing uh, where now they've had time to figure it out to think about it. They managed to find a way to create buzz for movies. Via virtual screenings. Okay. Um, 
to do this festival, uh, to you have to they limit. I'm sure the amount of tickets that he, quote tickets, virtual tickets yeah. you can get to even get the link to watch the movie, and then the window is very short. The movie is only available for like three hours, so it forces a lot of people to watch it at the same time, and then that's immediately followed up with like Q and A's and different things, so they can get a sense right away of how people, what people think about it, how they like it. And that is giving distributors an idea of uh, which movies are worth investing in. And already, deals are being made. Apple bought a movie called Coda okay. for $25 million. Fuck. Which is a hell of a lot of money. Um, but Coda is for sure the name I, I see keep popping up when it comes to Sundance. It's a coming-of-age dramedy. And, man, $25 million is... Uh, it actually sets a record, I think, for... Um, Sundance acquisitions. There we go. It's a, a story of an aspiring singer and lone hearing person in a deaf family. Uh, interesting. Right? Fun. So there we go. The previous record setter was Hulu's Palm Springs when they paid $22.5 million for that last year. And there's also something else out of Sundance. Um, yes, a movie called Passing. This is Rebecca Hall, an actress, Rebecca Hall. It's her first movie directing. It stars Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega, based on a 1929 novel. The film follows two black women living in 1920s New York. One of them, played by Nega, passes for white and even has a white husband who doesn't know she's black. A decision that her friend, played by Thompson, grapples with. Okay. That sounds really interesting. Uh, got very good reviews at Sundance, and Netflix picked it up. Nice. So there we go. Good for them. It's interesting how the, they figured it out. It took them a while, but they figured out how to get buzz going at a virtual yeah. film festival without having in-person screenings. And that's tough. That's tough to do. Somebody cracked the nut. They cracked that nut, baby. Hard nut to crack. It's the name of Die Hard in Russia. That's mm -hmm. a Russian title for yeah. it. Uh, Wakanda coming to your TV screens. Ryan Coogler signed a five-year deal with uh, Disney. And part of that deal is to develop a Wakanda TV show for Disney+. Plus. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the, the Wakanda as a setting was probably the most fun part. Yeah, it was the most interesting part of it because it's like the most no. different of everything, right? It was very cool. Uh, Afrofuturism, cool. No. And so a whole TV show based in that world will be a lot of fun. And then also April 2022, I think, is the release date they have targeted for Black Panther 2, okay. which Cougar is working on. So we'll see how that goes. But he, uh, and then he, that means... Um, I mean, I'm sure he's probably still on his producer, but he can't be doing. He's not gonna be doing much on Creed three. Yeah, no. So that's really gonna be a a Michael B. Jordan joint. See how he does with that one. Very interesting that he's directing that movie. Speaking of directors, actor turned director specifically. Ooh, what a transition! Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Good job, thank you. Viggo Mortensen is directing a movie or has directed a movie called Falling. Okay, and um. He did an interview here with GQ. Uh, for people who don't know, that would be Gentleman's Quarterly. Even though it comes out monthly. Uh, even though it comes out. Does it come out monthly? And actually, don't I get GQ? <laughs> I got a copy of it right there. Uh, so in this issue, he talks about how he cast um, David Cronenberg as a, in a small role. Because Cronenberg has always done yeah. some acting. So he cast him as a proctologist. 
funny. And yeah, it was like, yeah, we're having a good time with that. And, um, but the interviewer asked him, Hey, you know, history of violence, you guys work together and Eastern promises. You've done two movies together. Fantastic. Oh, and, um, with the, the, the Sigmund Freud movie. Uh, did you ever see that one? Uh, Fastbender. Nope. And, and Mortensen. Um, was Keira Knightley in that too? Yeah, Keira Knightley, that is correct. Dangerous Method. Maybe I did see it. Dangerous Method. They're all just fucking the whole time. They're fucking and then like uh, they're they're reading uh, each other's, they're reading like their the works of it. Yeah. It's kind of boring. The, they made three movies together. It's like, hey, you can do anything. Uh, the, you know, Cronenberg hasn't done anything since Maps to the Stars in 2014. And Mortensen said, yes, we have something in mind. It's something he wrote a long time ago and never got made. Now he's refined it, and he wants to shoot it. Hopefully it'll be this summer we'll be filming. I would say, without giving the story away, he's maybe going a little bit back to his origins. So even more fucked. So we're going back to the weird, fucked up shit. He was asked specifically if he's alluding to the body horror type stuff, and Mortensen replied, Yeah, it's very interesting. It's almost like a strange film noir story. It's disturbing, and it's good. But since his origins, he's obviously developed in terms of technique and self-assurance as a director. Yeah. So, yeah. The last time we've had any sort of of body horror from him would be uh, uh, History of Violence. Just when um, Ed Harris's character gets shot in the face and he gets close with his face meat, like like dangling up. But, I mean, it's been a while since we had a good existence. Mm -hmm. 99? Yeah. I think ninety nine two thousand. Have you seen the uh, the Jersey Spider? Have you talked about that one yet? No. Ray finds one where he's just like a, a, a sort of like a mental going through his his thinking about his past uh, when so. he was a child and being abused by Gabriel Byrne. Interesting. Not Gabriel Byrne specifically, but by no. an actor playing a character played by Gabriel. <laughs> Excuse me, I don't want to get sued. The next story we have here has to do with Mahershala Ali, okay, and his Blade movie mm-hmm. and how it's finally moving forward. Hey. Apparently, Marvel spent six months looking for a writer for um, Blade, and they focused almost exclusively on looking uh, for black hires because, like, it's. Blade. We, we want. No. We want this to represent. We're we're shooting. They've been open about this. We are shooting for diversity. It's not just like quote the right thing to do, but it's also good for business. Yeah. You know, there's money out there to be made in all these markets. So they hired someone, and her name is Stacy Osi Kufour, and she is one of the writers and story editor from Watchmen. Nice. Yeah. So they got a Watchmen Good work. writer. Yeah, they got a Watchmen writer. Uh, making her also the first black woman to write a Marvel movie. Fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's only... They've only made a... A, a bunch. A quarter of a hundred movies, right? Yeah, uh-huh. God damn, it's a lot of movies. It's a lot of money, too. And it's funny, watching WandaVision, especially now with episode four and five, they're alluding more and more to... To all the other movies and like things that happen in Endgame, uh, they reference Endgame, and but and what I mean reference, I mean really quick. They referenced yeah. Endgame. They referenced. Um, well, I mean um, they're, they're going to continue to do all of that if this is all connected universe. It is all connected. Endgame, Civil War, all of it. <laughs> it all keeps popping up. And then I'm telling you, man, at the end of Episode Five, now they're like open up in a way. It's like, what? Wait a second. Uh, here we go. This is fascinating. True, Chicagoan. 
When was the last time? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let me ask you this question. Hold on a second. Let me pull this up properly. Let me ask you this question. Okay. When was the last time you played Uno? <sighs> Couldn't tell you. Uno was fun. It's been that so long. I've been playing Uno with the uh, with the family, with the parents lately. Mm-hmm. With the parents, imagine yeah. that they're into it. When they when he dropped down a plus four on top of another plus four, you're like, oh shit. Uh, how about an Uno movie? How? Um, Hasbro. Okay. Little Yachty. Okay. Uno heist film. Set in the Atlanta rap scene. I don't. It's still. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Okay. No. 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 I'm into it. Okay. I'm into it. I mean, we had Battleship already. Well. They, they're, they've been trying Monopoly for years. Uh, they made two Ouija movies. I mean. <laughs> They kind of burned through all that Transformers money they made. Oh, my God. I thought they already did. No? <laughs> Making another Transformers movie. Uh, yeah. We're getting an Uno movie, baby. Such a bad idea. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Chris Hemsworth. Zach Efron. Move to local small Australian town. Australian locals say... Get out, mate. Okay. <laughs> They're not happy. There's a small town in Australia called Byron Bay. Byron Bay, Australia. And it's a, a bit of a, a touristy place, sort of no. known for its, you know, being nice, sort of a little small town vibe in Australia. Um, Zach Efron put his house up for sale in LA, has an Australian girlfriend or fiance or some shit okay. moving there. He okay, should, gotcha. He should have moving no. there. Hemsworth. Uh, spends a lot of time there because uh, they shoot nearby there. Um, uh, Thor is shooting pretty close by. And also him and his wife spend time there. Uh, Also, Nicole Kidman, Melissa McCarthy, Sasha Baron Cohen, Isla Fisher, all these people have been spotted in Byron Bay lately, either for pleasure or for working there nearby because Australia, they got all that COVID shit more under control, so a lot of things are shooting over there now. And uh, here is one local Summing up the the general general feel of everyone of what's happening, Hemsworth and the celebrities. I'm over them. Any true local will say we're off them. We don't. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I like that. We're off them. Uh, there's ghosts here. <laughs> we have ghosts in the in the corners of the studios, and uh, yeah. So there we go. Australia not happy being a the, a the, celeb hub. A celeb. The Celeb Hub, Australia. No, we have Australian Santa, and that's it. Get the fuck. We got Australian Santa. We got Paul Hogan. What else do you want? And we've already got the Hemsworth from here, guys. That's true. They have this He's whole, a local. He, he should be allowed to go wherever he wants in Australia. Mm-hmm. That's not his fault. And Nicole Kidman, too. It's not her fault. And they're also shooting there. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's money in the economy. They go, oh, we're off him, mate. We don't want any of this. Uh, this Christmas, I got a lump of veg in my, in my stocking. <laughs> It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Chewie Tell EG4 will play the new uh, alien lead character in the new version of The Man Who Fell to Earth. Okay. The Man Who Fell to Earth is a 1963 novel which got turned into a 1976 sci-fi movie by director Nicholas Rogue. Australian. Australian Nicholas Rogue. I think he's Australian. Uh, David Bowie, I believe, was uh, in that. Yeah. Was The Man Who Fell to Earth. Yep. 
Uh, so this one's going to be Chuito EG4. And it's about uh, exactly what it sounds like. Man falls to Earth. Well, alien falls to Earth. And it's, uh, let me see, here it goes. At a turning point in human evolution, must confront his own past to determine our future. Alex Kurtzman is co-writing with Jenny LeMay. Alex Kurtzman, um, speaking of Transformers, he worked with Michael Bay on a bunch of Transformers stuff. On TV, he did Fringe, worked on um, uh, Star Trek and all that kind of stuff. He's got kind of a spotty record okay. as a writer. He directed The Mummy, the, the most recent Mummy. Ooh. Yeah, not good. But he's not a director, though. He's a writer. So we'll see how this goes. Man, it fell to Earth. And does it have a CBS All Access? So by the time it comes out, it'll be Paramount Plus. Okay. It'll be a Paramount Plus. Is it a movie or a series? It's a series. There we go. All of my questions answered. Answered by the article in my hand. Isn't life fantastic? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. David Leach, this guy, working hard. He's working on the Bullet Train movie now. Yep. Uh, the Assassins on a on a speeding train with Brad Pitt and a bunch of other people. Uh, he already has something lined up after that. It's called Fast and Loose. And it's a spy thriller with Will Smith. Fun. Yeah. Where they play it fast and loose. Oh, that makes sense. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um... Leach, after doing the first John Wick, has done Deadpool 2, Hobbs and Shaw. Like I said, he's got Bullet Train coming. And, of course, I think my favorite of all the non-John Wick stuff is Atomic Blonde. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, because it's it's 80s John Wick with a chick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's 80s John Wick with the with neons. Um, and then a little bit of, uh, you know, sexy time. A little bit of unnecessary sexy time, which, yeah, of course, is unnecessary. That's why we want it. That's what yeah, makes it yeah, fun. Yeah, but it, yeah, but it's, but it's like super steamy 90s sexy time. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> Steam it up, baby. Fast and Loose was originally developed by STX Films. Um, oh, and Will Smith will be doing this after he does his current movie with Anton Fuqua, Emancipation, which is a runaway slave movie. Okay. And that's, a, that's an Apple film. I wonder if there's going to be a proclamation. Better be a big ass proclamation. He's like, I am done. No, he he punches a slave owner and he's like, Welcome to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah, you tell that guy, you tell that cracker. <laughs> Welcome to the new age, bitch. Um oh one here we go. Let me see. We're getting close to the end of these stories here. Have you seen the movie Slight? That's uh, it's a S L E I G H T. Yeah, yeah. The one, the one with the, the the kid with the implant. Yeah, he implants a uh, magnet in his arm and then tells people it's like magic. Yeah. But then at the end, he's like, "I'm a superhero." Yeah, right. Uh, I like that movie. Um, and then that dude who directed that, J D Dillard. I think it's a dude. It's J D. J D Dillard. Yeah, he then did Sweetheart, which is that Netflix movie that I talked about a while ago now about the a girl on an island and there's like a monster out in the water. Okay, um, and it's like a really low budget, like slight. It's really low no. budget, but a big idea, and then executed pretty well. So he's done two movies that are like, like as opposed to some of these directors we see where they make like their first movie is like, whoa, like Hereditary or something. No. Like, oh my God, this person knows what they're doing right away. I feel like this person has the potential to really grow and become something uh, really impressive mm. and really have a cool career. So his next movie is called Devotion, and it's for sure bigger 
than the last two, which is nice to see. It's funny, too. When I saw this story the other day, I was like, man, I was just thinking about this guy. Like, I was doing one of my walks, walking around, uh, just thinking. And I was like, man, this guy's a good... Like, I wanted to see him do something cool. It maybe, must have just been in the air. Maybe you manifested it, Chris. I wish. Oh, man, I should have manifested something else. Blowjob. <laughs> I don't know. Um, this movie is called Devotion. And it is about a pair of U.S. Navy fighter pilots who, quote, risk their lives during the Korean War and become some of the Navy's most celebrated wingmen. Um, it's about a, essentially what it is. It's a, a black pilot and a white pilot. And uh, they're like early jet fighter pilots. And they bond with each other as, you know, being as people, as people and as co-pilots and as teammates and as friends. And uh, what makes it so like, oh, my God, is that one dude's like a, 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 a ups, sort of upscale, like a middle class white guy. And then one is uh, like a sharecropper son, black guy from Mississippi. And cast as the two guys is um, Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell. So I wonder which one Jonathan Majors is going to play. Yeah. He's, he's a sharecropper son, guys. <laughs> and but Jonathan Majors is in it, which is awesome. Yeah. And what happens is it says here... Basically, uh, here we go. True inspirational story of these dudes, blah, blah, blah. A white New Englander from the country club scene, African-American sharecropper son from Mississippi. I mean, come on. That's that's like producer uh, catnip. Yeah. You know, you can, you can sell that in an elevator so fast. That has elevator pitch written all over it. Um, while much of America remains divided by segregation, they are wingmen in Fighter Squadron 32, blibbly bobbly blue. They get super popular uh, in between war games. Uh, young men revel on the Riviera, party with millionaires, befriend Elizabeth Taylor. Then comes the war no one expected in faraway Korea. Uh, and then one of them gets shot down behind enemy lines, and then the other one has to go get him. Okay. Devotion. I'm devoted to my wingman. He's my true love. I'm married, but this was my guy. We were in foxholes together. You know what I'm saying? When I say foxhole. You know what I'm saying? When I say foxhole. I heard that foxhole. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, foxhole. Yeah, yeah. Foxtrot, right? Wait a second. Wait, what'd you call me? <laughs> um, we talked about recently how, you know, I think it, there's a couple of things going on. First off, with the pandemic, obviously, it makes um, getting people together to work on a on a series specifically harder to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of animated stuff got greenlit during the last year because it's easier to have people working remotely to animate a yeah. show. Netflix, meanwhile, has found a lot of um, success with animation, with anime specifically, mm-hmm. with Japanese animation style. Yeah. Uh, so not even everything is Japanese made with, with that style. Like, what was that Greek show you saw? Oh, yeah, uh, Blood of Zeus. Right, and it had that style, oh, yeah. but it was a Greek-made show. Yeah. Right? So um, Netflix is doing that now where they're greenlighting stuff that's based on IPs, but they're leaning anime. So they already talked about last week, I think it was, we talked about the Skull Island show, the King Kong show, and Tomb Raider. They're doing animated series both of them. They just announced another one, uh, Pacific Rim, colon, the black. Okay. So Pacific Rim, an- I mean, animated yeah. show. I mean, they've got... Uh... They've got, they've got a Witcher animated movie coming out. There you go. See, all, all these things they can do uh, easier yeah. when you have to social distance and, uh, you know, just expect a decent amount of these type of things. I'm totally okay with all of that. I'm, I'm kind of okay with it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of Druvies, we got ourselves a Druvy here. Well, the Canadian sci-fi, low-budget sci-fi classic... 
I'm pointing at you. For people who don't know, I'm pointing <laughs> at you to see if he was on my wavelength. No. Cube. Oh, yeah. That's a fun one. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Cube is really fun. From that's 1997. Movie. It's a crazy little movie with an ending that's like, oh, haunting. We're all fucked. <clears throat> um, I've never seen any of the sequels. But Not me neither. I may watch this, a Japanese remake. Ooh. Okay. Yes. Yeah. They put out a trailer for that. And Somehow it's going to be more fucked up. It could be very possible, <laughs> right? I mean, they've had 23 years of thinking about different cube traps. Yep. Right? And what they might want to do with the story. And how they might want to dismember a human body. I think it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's a perfect movie for remaking and retelling stories. I mean, just come up with new characters. Yeah, and different, I mean, different characters, different cubes. It's the same different thing, struggles. but different. Yeah, same but different. It could be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the Japanese uh, slants on it because... I've also, I mean, it's a great movie, but I've I see Canada, uh, Japan being ahead of the curve in terms of um, movie violence, yeah, um, sci-fi uh, violence, that kind of stuff, and really pushing those boundaries. Um, so definitely, to, to see what they do with this will be interesting. So they just put out a trailer for it, so it's out there. It exists. It's happening. Cool. It's coming. Fun. Uh, we mentioned her already. I said earlier we were going to talk about her, so now we're going to end the show talking about her a little bit. Chloe Zhao, okay, uh, director of Nomadland, yep. who's about to, you know, her her profile's about to get a big bump here in the next few months as the movie comes out. It wins more awards, and Francis McDermott wins stuff. Uh, and then Eternals comes out after that. Salma Hayek, I read a thing with her where she was talking about how um, uh, they're shooting on a lot of actual... A lot of actual locations. Okay. It's a cosmic movie. It's set in outer space, yeah. isn't it? It's like all about gods and stuff. There's like very little green screen work happening in this thing. So that's very interesting. Yeah. This is this lady bringing her real life uh, indie film experience to this big budget thing and not leaning into the the, the technology of it, which yeah. is very interesting, right? She has her next movie lined up after Eternals, and it is Dracula. But done as a sci-fi western. Okay, cool. So the lady I'm who in. did the writer yeah. in Nomadland is like, yeah, what I really want to do is a Dracula sci-fi western. Did you ever see uh, Priest? Um, with Paul Bettany and uh, Dread, Vision vs. Dread. It is, it is Vision vs. Dread, right? Yeah. And it's like um, vampires living outside the city walls uh-huh. or something. Yeah. I think I did see that on yeah. Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, hey. Yeah. So she's just remaking Priest. <laughs> you know what? Maybe she saw it and was like, "I can do this better." Yeah. I mean, a lot of people could. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Bettany and Urban give it their all, so they did. Hey, they got paid. They yeah. they did what they 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 tried their best. Here's Chloe Zhao. I've always been fascinated by vampires and the concept of the other they embody. I'm very excited to work with Donna, Peter, and the team at Universal to reimagine such a beloved character. Fun. Yeah. Hell yeah. This could be really cool. Um, uh, this article points out, so, Universal. They were trying to do Dark Universal. Oh, no. Good. <laughs> They're like we're gonna we're gonna we're, we're gonna, gonna do it. We're gonna Justice League this thing backwards, and it f- fucked up immediately. They fucked up. Um, then the, the Invisible Man was a hit. So now they're like, fuck yeah. it. All right, so we just we just revamp everything. Yeah, revamping everything. We're doing it all over. So uh, Paul Feige did an interview recently where he was like, "I'm still working on my Dark Army movie, which is a 
monster movie mashup, including new monsters that we're creating. And he said that um, he's obsessed with it. That's the next movie he absolutely wants to make. And Universal is like hesitant about the price tag. No. They think it's getting too expensive. Um, especially, you know, with theaters, like not being at 100%. Hell yeah, they're they're being hesitant yeah. about that shit. So, might, might have to push back a couple years, bud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, other projects being developed uh, are being developed by Dexter Fletcher, who did Rocket Man. Um, Elizabeth Banks has something in the works with them. I, what is she doing? Is she doing Young... Uh, not Bride of Frankenstein? One of them is doing Bride of Frankenstein. I forgot who. And Lord Miller are working with them on something. Fun. Yeah, so I'm all for it. I'm all for these reimagining of these monster movies, these classic monsters. Lord Miller's The Wolfman. Hell yeah. What? I'm into it. <laughs> and then it, they, would, it would be like Teen Wolf. <laughs> what if they did Into the Wolfverse? Okay. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Well, we Lord get, Miller's Wolfverse. Okay, so. It, okay, we got yeah, yeah. Teen Wolf. Uh-huh. Uh, so it, it's uh, uh, Michael J. Fox. We're going to have to figure that one out. He'll, yeah. he'll, there's some medicine out there that can help him. Michael J. Fox. Uh, Benicio del Toro. Um, uh, what's that guy? The, the 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 dude is he still alive from um American Werewolf in London? I don't they know. kill him in the movie, but I mean, yeah. we get, who gives a it's shit? Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll 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 into the we'll into the wolf verse the shit. All the wolves, they all get together and uh, they all get sucked into the same universe where they have to fight a team of mummies, and it's all the mummies. So it's Lady Mummy, it's um, Jet uh, Li, Jet Li Mummy. It's all yes, all, yes. Yeah. I'm see can, <laughs> Universal. Give us the monies. We can make these. We can make these things. You give know, us the mummy monies. Give us. We'll give us the mummy monies, and we'll bring you the the Bisto Bucks. Am I out of stories? I'm out of stories. I'm all, all out right. of, I'm all out of stories for Chicago. Well. So that, I, I think that means we're all out of show. Yeah, that's yeah. usually the way it works. That is usually the way it works. Christian's out of stories, we run out of show. Chris runs out of stories, Drew gets hungry, and we're donezo bunzo. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's it. Here we go, predictions for the big game. We have the Pirates versus the uh, the, the Kansas City team. Are we allowed to say? The Chiefs. Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I don't know anymore. I mean, it's not. Uh, Washington dropped their name. Cleveland dropped their name. Baseball team. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's a, I don't know. I, it's, not, it's not a slur. No. Unless they go, hey, Chief. It's like, depends on how I say it. Mm. Like, what if I'm mad? I'm like, what's up, Chief? I don't know. And then I hit you. Pow. Is that a hate crime? Maybe. But what if you're not a? But what if then you do? I make you do ancestry, a DNA check, and because you're Native like I'm part American. Cherokee, but then you come back not Native Americans, then, yeah. it's, then it's not a hate crime no, anymore. Not. Then it's just a normal crime. Yep. Yeah, I can I can handle normal crime. Okay. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that. So that's it. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> Thank you, Drew Chicago. You're welcome. And you are welcome, listeners, for this week's show. We'll be back next week with four twenty-three. Can't you see? Let it be.
a PFT Media production.